G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Remember, you can hear 2020 on the Vision Radio Network from 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time each day, weekdays, and then a best of 2020 on the weekend. Well, today on the 2020 podcast, during the Olympic Games, a chaplaincy service has been established to assist around 17,000 athletes and officials, up to 200,000 staff and volunteers, and 20,000 members of the press. A special faith group has been advising the London Organising Committee for the Olympic Games, or LOCOG, on many policy areas during the past few years, including volunteering and food. UCB UK's Vicky Gibbons has been speaking to Canon Duncan Green. He's the National Church of England Olympics coordinator and is the LOCOG head of multi-faith chaplaincy services. And the conversation between Vicky and Canon Duncan Green features on today's 2020 podcast. I was appointed by the Church of England about five years ago as their Olympic and Paralympic coordinator. And as part of that role, I was very soon uh, seconded to the London Organising Committee for the Olympic and Paralympic Games as their faith advisor. And my role as part of that was to um, involve the, the different faith communities in London and the UK, because one of the tickets that we, we won the Games on was our multicultural, the multicultural nature of London. And as part of that, obviously, there's the multi-faith nature of London and the UK. Uh, and so one of the first things I did was to set up uh, a group called the Faith Reference Group, which involved uh, nine different faiths, um, those mainly involved in the interfaith network in the UK, um, which were Christian, Muslim, uh, uh, Buddhist, Hindu, Sikh, uh, Jewish, Jain, Zoroastrian, and Baha'is. Um, and uh, we spoke for the last four and a half years have met and looked at all sort of aspects of the games, including, um, you know, the policies of the organizing committee for their staff and their volunteers, uh, the food policy, the uniform policy, and the day-to-day running of the organization. Faith communities have been involved in in advising um, and uh, helping. And the other thing, of course, is that um, we've encouraged people from the different faith communities to get involved by volunteering. And I mean, along the journey, as you say, this has been going on for many years now. Have there been any particular surprises? Well, I mean, I think one of the, well, not a surprise, but one of the great um, joys of the, the job for me, because um, soon after you know be, uh, setting up this group, um, I, w- I guess I was a little bit worried at the beginning that we'd have all sorts of conflicts between the different faiths, be- you know. But actually, we've had four and a half years of sheer joy sitting around the table together, uh, looking at uh, focusing on the Olympic and Paralympic Games and looking at how we can serve those games together. Um, 
and you know valuing each other's contribution and working together where we can whilst accepting you know that we are different there's been lots of publicity surrounding the different venues that have been built for the games but tell us more about the multi-faith center well no i mean it's not you know, of course that's I, I will tell you about that in a second but it's not the only faith venue we've got because usually at olympic and paralympic games there's just a provision for chaplaincy for the athletes and the officials but because we've been so involved in the games um about two years ago, I was appointed as um, head of multi-faith chaplaincy services, and as part of that role, we've developed a chaplaincy for the staff, 200,000 staff and volunteers, and also a chaplaincy for the 20,000 reporters and broadcasters, as well as the chaplaincy for the athletes and the officials. Now, the chaplaincy for the athletes and the officials is based in the Athletes Village in Stratford, and as part of that village in the Athletes Service Centre, we have a multi-faith centre where we have uh, a, a reception area and then five different spaces uh, for the five main faiths, um, which are Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist and Jewish. And, then, uh, and uh, they're the faiths that the IOC ask us to provide for because they are the main uh, faith that reflects the faith profile of the athletes. So... We have this faith center, and each of the different faiths have their own room, but we work together as one chaplaincy team across the village. Now, during the actual games themselves, what kind of services are going to be on offer? Well, each of the different faiths will provide uh, a range of services, um, and, um, and, and our games happen uh, during Ramadan, so the Muslim community will be very active during that time. Uh, our Christian uh, uh, faith room uh, and area will provide uh, a, a range of services covering uh, free church, um, uh, Roman Catholic, Anglican, uh, different services for, for each of those. We'll also have Bible studies and, um, uh, and different discussion groups going on as well. Um, so that's a you know a part of what the chaplaincy is about. The other part, of course, is being a presence in the village and being there to support people and to, and to help people where necessary. There has been criticism that the majority of these games are based in London. It's not going to have a huge impact on the rest of the country. In terms of the faith communities, how would you like to see those impacted across the country? I think they have really, because our faith representatives have been from national bodies. Um, and I certainly have been to all different parts of the UK speaking at various events for the different faith communities from Christian to Muslim to Sikh and Hindu. Um, and, you know, I've been uh, over the last five years, I think there's probably not many parts of the country I haven't visited by invitation to speak at different uh, faith meetings. Of course, the games are not just in London. We have football as far north as uh, as Glasgow and sailing as far south as Weymouth. And you can't go any further south than that, I know. But, uh, you know, so we, we, we've, uh, and we've got live sites right across the country. And of course, the Olympic torch you know, it's traveling everywhere. And, and that's been, a, there's been a fantastic response despite the awful weather, you know, to the torch coming through communities. And I think, you know, 90% or 90 odd percent of the community uh, of the communities in the UK are, um, 
you know, are, are within an hour's journey of where the torch comes through. So it's been touching everybody, I think. It's not just a London thing. This is the, you know, this is this is a UK Games, and I think I think the country have really got behind it. Now we've seen many successful Christian athletes, including the famous Eric Liddell. In your personal opinion, how important is that relationship between faith and sport for an athlete? I think it's a very important relationship for those people who have faith. Um, the you know the faith is is for many people is part of their lives you know a, 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 an in, a, a intimate part of their lives the chaplaincy is here for those of all faiths and those of no faith um and um you know i, I think uh, those those people who come to the games who've got got a faith obviously it's it, it, it's an incentive i uh, to to give of their best um, you know, for a Christian who comes to the games, they will not only want to do the, their best for their, you know, for their trainer, for their country, but they'll also want to do their best uh, in in their service uh, and commitment to God. Before coming into this role, a personal question: You obviously had your own parish. I imagine this role has been very different to <laughs> to what you previously experienced. Yeah, a little bit. You know, it was quite a shock actually. You know, coming out of a busy parish, I was uh, I had a Stafford Warden in Essex. Uh, I was team rector, and uh, so we had the main town and the villages around. And I was also rural dean, so I looked after uh, you know the whole deanery. So it's a very busy job. And then coming to this, where I was basically alone in the job for the first you know sort of six months or so. Um, but it was good. I had to re- you know rethink about. Um, Christian ministry. I also had to, um, you know, think very hard about how I would develop this this contact with the organising committee, with government departments, with the church and the other faiths. So it's been very challenging. But actually, working for the organising committee, as I have done now for getting on for five years, um, I found myself very much uh, as a priest in the workplace. Um, you know, I've I, I've um, uh, I think, you know, if if you if you have a pastoral nature, uh, then or a pastoral heart, then you know you, you're a pastor wherever you are. And um, I certainly found myself I found myself uh, well I've taken weddings and uh, and um, funerals and uh, uh, helped people you know in all sorts of you know being able to talk to people in all sorts of ways uh, to, to uh, you know give them a little bit of support through difficult situations. So I guess in some ways it's been very different, but in other ways it's been working with people. But what I would say is that. If I was to go back to the parish tomorrow, I think I'd probably minister in a totally different way because it's given me a a fresh uh, view on the pressures that people are under in their everyday life. The organisers have very much been about promoting this idea of legacy throughout the bid process as well. From your personal involvement in the Games, what would be your piece of legacy, your takeaway from this experience? Oh, it is a difficult one. That I mean, it's, it's all been so special. That's the that's the difficulty. You know, the, I, I think that uh, the, the special, the, the the thing that's really impressed me is how people have worked together in this or in the organisation to deliver. You know, what is a massive event. I mean, people have got very, you know, people have got very little idea of the scale of the games uh, and what it takes to put it together. Um, and I think. The way people have worked together, the way people have been committed to to making sure it happens has been fantastic. But for me, as someone of faith, 
you know the joy of working with the other faith communities and um uh, and you know the way we've learned from each other really and respected each other is always going to stay with me like what you've just heard there's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au and remember vision is listener supported your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life learn more or donate today at vision.org.au